Should we get into it? Listen Let's to get it, into it. it. Yeah. So, we, uh, we thought we'd get on with something off the, uh, another one off the new album now, which I'm sure you all know the name of, so I won't bother. This is one you can clap your hands and you can do that thing they do in America where they set fire to the back of everybody's head with a lighter. It's called, it's called No Prayer for the Dying Song. Maiden A to Z, innit? Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric and with me as always is my co-host and uh, podcasting uh, buddy, Jonathan. Brother in pods, you usually say. Indeed, that's what I usually say, yeah. That's a good one, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, in, in the words of questionable supergroup Black Eyed Peas, I have a feeling tonight's going to be a good night. There you go. Because we have a new <laughs> guest. <laughs> questionable supergroup. Yeah. Was that an X Factor or talent show or something, I think? I don't know. Some Simon Cowell vibes in that one. It could be. Anyway, new guests coming in. Uh, I'd like to know your name and where you're coming in from as well, because I forgot. My name is Kevin, and I'm coming from the far southwest of the UK in Cornwall. Cornwall. Yes. Mm, that's a bit of a household name. It's, it's, you know, it's something you recognize as a Swede, but you don't know anything about it. You just recognize it. Cornwall. And uh, you've been on with us for a long time, I think. You were one of the few attendees of our first ever live stream if i'm not yeah. mistaken well, i first started listening to you was um the christian er- uh, episode the christian doing adrian smith oh yeah, yeah that, that was, was a- an entry point for a few people glad that worked out yeah he has had my gratitude for a while now for doing that with us so early it was him and then uh, don Svane also that was, was really good yeah, yeah. right you know magnets for us in this in the way start there so <laughs> i told kevin before we started recording that i know him as a as a yellow bird because <laughs> uh, that's your profile pic on on Facebook, so now I actually get to kind of meet you in person. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, um, you've been on with us for a long time. Have you been on with Maiden for a long time? Very much. Um, my brother had the number of the Beast album back in '82, and I just started playing the drums then. And so it was like I had to learn to play "Run to the Hills." Oh. You're a drummer, a prisoner. I was when I was young. Okay, yeah, get back at it. It's, <laughs> it's the best. I love drummers. <laughs> so it was learning to play songs from a number of the Beast album, which sort of got me into them. And then, mm. really, it was um, Live After Death. Somebody, one of my friends had the Live After Death VHS. And I watched that, and it was like, wow, this is amazing. I've got to f- know about this band even more. So then I had to buy all the back albums then. Right, that that VHS is a good Bible for many of us. Yes, I had it. Did you have it too, Eric? Uh, I didn't have the VHS version, unfortunately. I, um, uh, but I did see, I did watch it on on VHS the first time uh, with uh, at a friend's place, and then eventually I did when they when they did reissue it on the DVD. I got it. I think they should do a proper uh, Blu-ray edition. They haven't done that so far. Uh, but uh, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you since you consume this so much more than me. Hmm? Do you need Blu-ray? Is this, do you need that much resolution? Because I'm like a bit of a caveman. I'm I'm done with eight, 180, uh, 1080. Then it's like that's fine. It's, I don't need anything more. I, I think I think in some in some um, in some cases you, there's a difference. I think m- a lot of times it, there's a difference when it's been something that. Um, 
Uh, I mean, on some TVs, you're not going to notice a difference. Most TVs nowadays, I, I'd probably say you would, but um, it, it depends. Like, there's like you, you get movies that when they were they when they were trans when they did the initial transfer to uh, to DVD, and then if that happened like a way way you know a long long time ago, and that's the last update they have, last time they remastered it, sometimes it would be it is nicer, so you you can tell a difference. Film looks so good because of the loss of information. I mean, yeah. regular old film. That's why it looks good. Like now, when I watch like uh, someone bought a new TV, mm-hmm. everything looks like shit because yeah, it's like overexposed. There's some stuff that looks really weird on this on the newer stuff, and uh, but I, I think that it's. I mean, again, it, it especially like um, there's a certain setting. I wish if I knew if I, I can't remember what it is that you can sort of switch off on most TVs, new, newer ones that will sort of make things look slightly less weird. But yeah, there are filters. Luckily, there are filters. Yeah. Like you put the movie filter on, but yeah, that's not really why we're here. I mean, I guess uh, live after death. Uh, uh, let's see if that can be filtered. It's not the visually. It's not visually stunning or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we talked about that one plenty. It's a uh, it's a somewhat of a, um, you know, staple. It's a holy grail it is in any way, oh, very no matter much. what critique you might have on it. So I want to I get a picture of this, uh, Kevin. You're learning which song first on the drums. Um, I think it probably would have been The Prisoner. Yeah, I was guessing that just because, you know. Yeah, it's that easier beat to start off with. Is it easy? I find it. It's not easy, but it's a swing beat, isn't it? Rather than trying to. Work out where your hands are going for buttons and heels. I tried playing it. I mean, admittedly, I'm a shit drummer, but I tried playing it, and I found it quite tough actually to get that uh, swing. It is, and it's a str- straight feeling swing. It sounds yeah. straight to me, but then it's swing. It was Gangland. I could never do because Gangland is also off beats and things. It was like that was really, really hard to play. Smooth drum track for that one. I like it a lot. And uh, yeah, we I usually ask if the fans have been wavering, and I am familiar with your uh, heavy critique on Latter Maiden. So let's oh, talk about much. that a little <laughs> bit before we head back to 1990. Like uh, you, you don't like it. Um, was that the no prayer or the new songs? No, the new stuff first. Then we'll. Head no, back. I don't like the new stuff. I, I know a lot of my friends argue with me over this. I just think a lot of the songs could have been a good five-minute songs or six-minute songs. They just uh-huh. seem to be dragged out. Or they've mm-hmm. about two two um, ideas for a song. They just decide to put them together to make mm-hmm. them longer. That's uh, I can't disagree with that. But, I mean, the length itself shouldn't be a problem. Like, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is awesome, right? Yeah, yes, but Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner just flows from one to, to the next. A lot of the ones now, they just seem to sort of stop, start, and then go into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as a composer, I don't like stop, start too much. But... Uh, for example, if I work with a band and I notice a lot of that, I might want to persuade them to change that or skip, maybe skip one part. Yeah. Sometimes they just shoehorn a part in, and you can do that if you're Black Sabbath in the early years. I mean, they could get away with anything. Suddenly it's like, after a really slow song, but it's, I don't know why they could get away with that. Probably because they were cool. Something like that. There seems to be like parts in songs where they don't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, it, yeah. it's just sort of a riff, and it's just a continuous riff for like two minutes. It doesn't seem to go anywhere. Then they actually go into another part of the song. So like, mm-hmm. why is that there? Right, right. <laughs> but it must be something else you're missing, right? That couldn't be the only problem, or maybe it is. Oh, I think that is a lot of the things. It just and it's continuous, and you hear a lot of the old songs in in the new songs. You hear a riff, and you go, "Oh, that's how it be the name," or "That's Moonchild," or "That's the Trooper," or something. It's like so many bits yeah. you go, oh, I know what that song's from. 
Right, right. I, I recently listened to the new Manowar single. That was ridiculous in time in terms of self-stealing. It was <laughs> almost at the <laughs> level of performance art within self-theft. I get in depth on that though i think there's 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 some of the newer stuff that there's bits where um that they could i mean there, there's there's certain songs some of the new a lot of the new stuff I, I i do i do enjoy the newer stuff as well but there are there are some of the longer ones every now and again where you get like you're like yeah they, they could have shaved off a you know quite a bit on this with if they just sometimes there's bits in there you feel they're in there because steve perhaps think they, they need to be that they need to be there for the sake of just they need to be there like there's yeah. Um, these sort of uh, often a lot of times after there's a guitar solo, there'll be um, uh, like a like a well, there, there seems like a sort of there's, there's a lot of stuff that there's well I mean we we'll get into that some when we get to like um, a particular song coming up I can't remember the name of right now that the, the after the solo there's a very sort of bog standard kind of like post solo harmony section like well you don't really need this because this is done in other songs way better uh, you could just you could yeah. just go to the next part then. Um, but I guess uh, on, on the dis- discussions on very new era maiden, uh, I tend to end up in the same, I guess, same um, conclusion every time I talked with Christian about this. You know, recently mentioned then from way back episode four was it? He should he should be back on yeah. soon, but he's working on an album now and, and touring and stuff. But anyway, I talked with him about it, and I it comes down to the band having a very comfortable position now, and they like it. And you know, it's really hard to tell them to um, not be comfortable again. And it's, it kind of takes time and work to trim down songs, decide which parts to go or not to go. That takes work. It's, you need a bit of a whip for that. And, and Christian agreed with me, even though he also doesn't like the new stuff, he agreed with me that they've certainly earned this comfortable position. Yeah. You know, very much so. So you, you can't blame him, really. They've fallen into the trap as well. They've done this on numerous songs now, where Yannick plays a guitar under voices of Bruce's voice. Mm. Massive problem, actually. And so, a lot of the time, you can't actually tell what Bruce is singing because Janet's played the guitar under it. Yeah, I never got that because even when I did that in my songs when I was a teenager, I felt it was a cheap trick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be doing I this. Think, this. This shouldn't be unison. I think it can be cool when it's the exception rather than. It, but when it's sort of like when they do that, that's every, you know, like every other song. Uh, yeah, didn't we do a song recently, Eric? That that it really worked. Actually. Yeah, I think we did. I can't remember which one I, it was. I, I seem to recall. But, uh, I do know that a song that we both very much like, uh, Hell on Earth, we, we said, like, for instance, during the chorus there, one of the Soviets, how much better would have been without that so, so Bruce's voice could just, you know, ring out more clearly rather than just having the, yeah. um, you know, 
Yeah, well, that song lifts because there's at least one vocal part that is truly vocal, nothing else. Yeah, and that's, know, I think there's... Harry's tune, so... The, I think there's certain things that... That part is, does the song, really, for me. That does the song, and of course, the Maiden Love, you know. I mean, there's, I think there's, like, we also recently did, um, we recently did uh, No More Lies, and in that one, they do utilize the three guitars very in a very cool way. And he's not mm. following along to the fucking vocals, whereas, you know, nowadays, that's sort of the... Yeah, that one feels more old school in a yeah. way, and it is old. It's twenty Jesus, years old, yeah. but today we're gonna go thirty-three years Jesus. old today, I think, if I'm not mistaken, which is insane. Isn't that a new Maiden album? No prayer, newish. Yeah, you'd, you'd think <laughs> it's third of a century old. That's insane. And uh, sure. Kevin, you have you have memories of this? Actually, we need to conclude your Maiden origin story too. Like, uh, what happened since doing those drums, and how many times have you seen them live? That kind of stuff. Um, the first time I saw him live was in 1986 on the Summer in Time Out uh, tour. That was just amazing. And that was when I realized how much I've got to become a Maiden fan. Because when they played Robin Ancient Mariner, I was what, 14 then. They mm. played Robin Ancient Mariner. There must have been a kid next to me who was about 10 years old singing every single word. What a cool kid. And I thought, right, if I'm going to invest in this band, that's what I'm going to have to do is learn every word. Yeah. So you were also 14 on your first show. Yeah. Like me. At 13, I was 13, but I was coming to 14. My brother got me a ticket on my 14th birthday. Oh, right. My brother's six years older than me, so... Do you have any ticket stubs left from the old shows? Oh, somewhere in boxes, but I don't know. They're really cool to look at, and what always baffles me is the very low price. Yes, very low. Even with uh, conversion of time and currency, still quite low pricing. Yeah. They sold albums back then. They sold albums, so no, you know they didn't have to make everything from the tour. One of my, one of my biggest regrets is uh, is I had like such a, I mean, uh, probably by some people's standards quite moderate, but I, in my opinion, quite, you know, quite a big collection of you know cool you know, old ticket stuff from, from gigs and stuff, and that's they're they're I mean they're gone by now. But uh, I, I had yeah, and I've and I recently tried to sort of uh start collecting again like in the last five years or so but i mean you're, i'm never going to get some of those i i you know I, I have like the ticket from the first my first metallica gig my first maiden gig i had the the black sabbath union tour i had i had the one i had a pantera ticket like, nice like, and like, oh that's gone at this point. yeah that's a bit sad i mean i i can't do that kind of stuff i'm just not orderly enough no nor am I. Can't keep my guitars in check and they're quite big and easy to find easy to spot apparently neither am i because all those tickets are gone so <laughs> yeah there we go it's a bit sad actually every time i see a ticket stop i feel a, a, a slight sadness coming over me like i wish i had at least the one from metal 2000 at least that one that would have been great i had that such an important moment you know that's also the thing now because even like for gigs like um i was i tried to get uh for the, um, you know like i said i mentioned and i probably mentioned this uh before we started recording i mentioned to kevin that uh, you know uh, me and camilla are going to uh to dublin to see them this summer and um Right. That one, like this is this is going to be fun. This feels like sort of a, an occasion because also just the fact we're going to see a lot of you know, like Fergal and all these kind of cool people. And like, I want to have a physical ticket. You can't get them for it. They don't they don't do them for that anymore. Don't forget to snap a lot of photos. Oh, I definitely will. But but I might go to for, if I might be going to a, a Krakow, and that that is a physical ticket. So that one I can save. But I mean, you kind of right. want to yeah. have. Yeah, that's, that's the, the same one thing. I'm going printing, for. printing an email is not the same thing as having the. Actually, my, my physical ticket for Krakow got sent back because I've, I was without identification for so long. So I <laughs> couldn't get it. Yeah, it was unidentifiable. Or not unidentifiable. Papishlös, we say in Swedish. Like, there was no proof of identification for me for nine months. But, so what, what happens now? Have you got your ticket? Uh, they sent me an email and I could pay the, the postage again and get it, or I can uh, pick it up on location. So I'm, you know, thinking what, which is more convenient than the other. Legal idiot. 
Yeah, I was really, you know, an illegal local, you know, or a <laughs> half breed, I guess, you know, being half Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, you saw them '86. That's always makes me happy when people saw them in '86. Makes me personally happy because it's just like that's so vibrant to me. And we've had a few people on where that was the first show, at least you and and uh, Christian then. But I think I seem to recall someone else. I'm not sure about Ben because he lives he lives in uh, you know down in Kangaroo Land, so I'm not sure when you could actually see them the first time. But uh, uh, yeah, 80, we're in '86. What happens after? Oh, after that, I mean, '88 is when they released so much material. With Seven Sun, like the Can I Play with Madness, and it was like you know it was like a shake picture disc, a red vinyl, a clear vinyl, a boot, you know. Mm-hmm. Thing, it's it like is. today. Uh, sorry to cut you off again, but I was just gonna say that's like today. You know, five colors of vinyl, uh, that kind of trick. You know, that, they were early in that game. Yeah, and they did it on all of it. On like, even men do Fairvoyant, the Calibre Madness, um, Infinite Dreams. They did all these sort of things with all these various covers. So, and of course, being sixteen or whatever I was then, it's like I have to have it all. So I yeah, just yeah, had yeah. to buy it all. Yeah, it's symptomatical. Yes. And then I didn't actually see them again until 93 on Bruce's last tour, on the okay. real live one tour. Uh, then I'm curious, could you tell that he was on his way out? Or Yeah, yeah, you could tell. He, yeah. he didn't, there was no banter between songs. Mm-hmm. And when there was guitar solos, he would just go off the stage and then come back on, sing, and then go back off stage again. Oh, wow. So he was really not happy. Because I've heard that they literally didn't see eye to eye then. I mean actually no, not you, looking at each other on stage they didn't and he yeah. had a separate dressing room and the whole nine yards really so then there's kind yeah, of you say, say it was no banter with the crowd he wasn't talking to anybody but he would just introduce a song do the song go off stage come back on and do the same again hmm. that's a bit sad right it must have affected your experience as a oh yeah it, it was i mean it was a great gig to see it was, it was at birmingham nec it was a lovely venue ah. but say, you could just tell he didn't want to be there and it Birmingham NEC, yeah, that always rings familiar to me with the tribute band. We always do Evil Lap Men Do Second because of the Made in England thing. Yes, that's uh, exactly. It was the same place to, where Made Welcome in to England. NEC Arena. Uh, it's like chills for me. I don't know why. So that means like I'm always going to be partial to NEC Arena. I've never been there, but it just, you know, it's become part of, of the lore for me. When it's yes. Exactly. Didn't Sabbath do their, uh, when they released the reunion album, wasn't that recorded there as well? I think so. Or, yeah. Maybe I looked it up. By the way, Eric, Last Supper was the DVD release. Oh, very good. Very cool. Yeah. So then, the, we spoke about that last week yeah. with the uh, no, uh, not no prayer. That's this week actually. Yeah. We haven't said that yet, but uh, on uh, no more lies. So um, we're going to head to ninety. But uh, let's finish off your story then. What happened from ninety three? Then did you leave the band after after seeing Bruce leave, or did you stay? I saw Bruce leave. Well, unfortunately, I was then in a relationship and had children, so I never saw any of the Blazier, unfortunately. Did you listen to the records when they came out? Oh, yeah, I definitely listened to the records. I, I love, even to say, I think X Factor is a brilliant album. Oh, cool. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's great. It's great. His voice just works so well on that album. And it, actually, it was, listening to your podcast, that made me think of the album completely different. Because, so you think of it sort of as a war album. And it was, one of you said it's you know it's more like it's a divorce album. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, obviously yeah. Bruce Bruce left. Uh, Martin Birch left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian had left, but that was early. Adrian had left. But Steve had was left. going through a divorce, so yeah. all the songs you could use either as a war or as a divorce because they they could have worked for either. 
yeah, that's the maybe the two faces of of, of that record. And um, I mean, maybe it's more comfortable if you're an epic heavy metal band to dress it in war clothing rather than divorce. You know, uh, yes, that's more of that of their style, I guess. But this is the '90s, so um, everyone wrote songs about their personal misfortunes in those years. So maybe they yeah. could have gotten away with it. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> we can fill in from from X Factor onward. Then you get to see them live again later, I guess. I got to see them live again on the Dance of Death tour in 2003, and I've seen them live every tour since then. Oh, cool. And you like them live still? It doesn't matter with the oh, new yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm, it's a definitely. great live band. It's a great live the, band. The live, the, the songs in the studio, they have, you know, they're good, but when you see them live, it's just a different thing. I mean, something like Fear of the Dark just sounds bland on the studio album. But live, it's a completely different song. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And having played it now, never really wanting to play it, and then after ha- having played it, I want to play it every time. It's a great live song. You know, it's just uh, yeah. it's just made for playing live. But I mean, they play that one live even when they did the the, the Maiden '88 sort of tour, and you know that wasn't even around in set. Yeah, still, they still, put it in. still put it in there. Yeah, and I remember from that episode. It's a while back now, right, Eric, with Fergal, with Fergal yeah. of the Dark. But uh, I remember from that episode that I think we were unanimous in, in agreeing that they should actually play that song every time. I think so. I think it's just, it's it's uh, there's something very special about it in that sort of con- like we we were sort of this past summer having uh, when they you know we got, finally got to see them again. I feel that um, uh, definitely that song. I mean, it's just kind of like they they do play it every time, so you you can sometimes kind of get a little bit tired of it, but. Uh, Seeing it then this past summer, like yeah, this is this is pretty, this is pretty magical. They they shouldn't they should they should always play this one. I'm sure they always will. It's I don't, just I don't a think by it now if they're live yeah. set, isn't it? I think that even if they do whatever they do, you know, here on out, I don't think there's going to be any tours where we don't get that song. No, I don't think so either. No, and it's a very good song. It, it is, really is, really is. But I agree with the studio version, and I guess that's let's keep that in mind because we're going to that era rather soon. Indeed. Just want to finish yes. your story because it seems like a, a pretty vibrant one. You've never really wavered then as a fan, even though you don't like the new stuff. You've been a fan since '82. It's the only band that I've really followed my, you know, my whole life. Other bands come and go that I think are okay. But Maiden has been the one all the way through. Yeah, yeah, that rings true in my heart. It means me too. I have wavered, but I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> it turns out they were the best band. Yeah, and I, and they, I never, they are I never, the best uh, band. I can sort of very proudly say I never, I never really have wavered either from when I started until where I am, and here, uh, and here I am now. So I, I'm pretty, uh, yeah. It's only band. I'm quite dirty about. Oh, yeah, it's such a nerd's band. When, when I first saw this um, Made in A to Z, first thing I did then was I got all my albums out, worked out A to Z, and I got them all written in a book, exactly what order. What did? That makes me happy. I actually did it digitally, but it's cooler to do it in the real life analog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, here we are then. Good to have you on, Kevin. Uh, a nice backstory. I always like these backstories, actually. I mean, this for two reasons. It's the personal thing, but it's also that I feel like it could have been me in all cases, yeah. somehow, you know, because I was 14 way later, but I feel like it was me doing that, you know, in 86. So, it's, it's like partial because of recognition, and then, of course, you know, just to... To get the personal uh, view of of the band, because there are millions of versions of uh, being a Maiden fan out there. Oh yes, I'm, I imagine the sort of the sort of the, the initial experience when any any fourteen year old, fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old stumbles into this kind of 
you know, this kind of music and gets into this stuff. I imagine even though, like, if someone who does it these days, obviously, sort of the context it happens in is probably going to be very different, but I imagine the initial kind of feelings, initial kind of, is, is probably probably pretty the same, even if it's, like, you know, 30 years ago or today. I imagine the same sort of, you know, it might be packaged differently, but the the, uh, the actual sort of magical little spark is probably... Oh, if it's a concert, Trump. definitely, definitely. Or no, concert, even yeah. the experience of just sitting there listening to it and sort of realizing what how when you sort of the first when you get when you when you're of that age and sort of have your mind open to a bunch of cool music you didn't know existed. That experience, I said, even even if you're, I mean, nowadays obviously it could be someone doing it over on a cell phone on Spotify rather you know rather than over say the radio or a CD or a vinyl. But I imagine that 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 feeling is probably the same. Uh, the same will be the same in a hundred years. Someone doing it, even though the, the the packaging and the way you're doing it is differently. I certainly hope well, so. I mean, the generations we've already made, and the generational gap, you know, the six to 80 years old goes yeah. to gigs. You know, it's such a massive yeah. generation. It is, it is. It's cool. I remember from, even from back when I got in, that there were tons of um, fathers from proper boomers, not boomers in the sense that people use that word now, proper boomers, from the baby boomer generation, legit. Yeah. And they were there. They get, got in with the kids. I talking about my cousin before, the slightly younger one, and uh, he went with his dad because he went at 10 or 11 years old. He really liked seeing them, and he felt that they were really like this proper band and not, uh, you know, no hooligans or anything. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's something that works for, should work for everyone, I guess, you know, if you, if you, if you like that. Yeah, your camera is, is having a bit of fun there. <laughs> As it often so, does. Uh, before we head on topic, Kevin, uh, is there anything more that we should uh, touch on in, in your maiden story there? Some important events? No, I think that's that's it, really. All right, I've, I've got I've got um, a somewhere in time tattoo on my arm. Like oh, that, very nice. I like that. Me and Eric, we like our tattoos. I have a few of them. And I've also got a, um, a tattoo of the samurai that Nico's got on his arm. What is that? Same as that. Oh, very cool. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we should make a we should make a little tattoo collection uh, for our. Um, friends group on facebook would be fun to have yeah i mean i i only have i have two eddie tattoos at the moment uh, and I, i'm gonna my plan is to get one for each you know so I, i'll have at the end i'll probably have at least 17 of them so i actually don't have any even though i got 60 tattoos i don't know how many they are when i worked in school i said told the kids 60 because it was a fun round number i have a lot but uh, i have an eddie tattoo in mind now that i'm gonna do uh, that's gonna work with the style of the artist I have in mind. So I just need to get it done, basically. I've, I haven't been in the habit of getting tattooed lately. It's good for the wallet. I've got a friend who's got all his arms covered in, in Eddie tattoos. In Eddie tattoos, yeah. yeah. From all eras. It's like it's all eras. best of the beast arm, basically. <laughs> yes. What did yeah, yeah. When did you get your uh, uh, first tattoo? I'm curious. Well, my very first tattoo I had done when I was about 14, which was far too young to have a tattoo. Yeah, Never told my parents. In a time, in a time when tattoos were, you know, reserved for criminals and sailors only. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, a tattoo my on my, still on, thinks that. My back of my shoulder, so nobody could see it. Ah, I don't so know why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did my first within the t-shirt lines. I kept them secret from my parents for a year, I think, or something like that, before I exposed them. And my grandma for thirty years before I exposed them <laughs> or something. Very recently, <laughs> it's like, ah, nah, I'm not going to cover them up anymore. Can't be bothered. Now, what'd she say when she saw them? Nothing. <laughs> Maybe it was the kind of, you know. <laughs> Silent disapproval. Sure. Either that or she didn't recognize it, but I figured like in, in, you know, in the most bland, you know, home textile commercials here in Sweden, people have tattoo sleeves now. So I felt like, you know, it's, 
it's so not edgy anymore. So why no, should it's not. But you know, I think that. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, she is you know, it's close to a hundred years old. So yeah, I mean, my my dad is is not a fan of tattoos, and the way we the way that sort of plays out is he just doesn't mention them. So <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> it's like they're there, but who <laughs> yeah. cares? So, what's on topic today, Eric? Well, we have a lovely song. Um, uh, that uh, I haven't really listened to in quite a while, up until like just a couple of like an hour or so ago. Uh, Some called "No Prayer for the Dying," the title track uh, from the album, obviously the same name. Um, a title track, and I felt mm-hmm. like an ex- exercise to get into the nerdiness that we conduct is to figure out how many albums don't have title tracks. A matter of life and death comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. That's true. I see still life as the title track, but definitely. A- has no title track. Yeah. Um, uh, summertime, I must say, Summertime has a title track, even with that extra word. It's a title yeah, track. Yeah, that counts. I mean, X Factor, Virtual Eleven, neither, neither of those two got one. That's true. That That's true. Yeah. Was um, going out of fashion in the 90s, title tracks, I feel. Kind yeah. of. Final Frontier, no, it has one. It has also, one. An alternated title, perhaps a bit, but it has but one. That's, that, I mean, I think that if, we, if you're going to count. Caught somewhere in time that we have to count. Yes, satellite fifteen, the final front. You know, the <laughs> definitely, definitely. It should have been two separate songs anyway. They shouldn't have rolled into one. They should have. I mean, they even did that for for MVVO. They even did it as such, and I think that would have yeah. been a better, better, a better call. Even though I actually quite like satellite fifteen. I don't know why it works for me. We'll, we'll get, get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Drum machine, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Adrian's drum machine. Not even a great sounding one, but it adds to it somehow. But yeah, again, we'll get there. We're, we're gonna hone in on. Center in on 1990 now, and uh, uh, this was not a song choice of yours, right, Kevin? It wasn't like um, I want to come on no, and do no prayers. You've just done a, um, an episode, actually. You know, I will be bringing that episode up in a minute, and you've done an episode, and you know, I sort of said I would love to come on at some point. You went, "Oh, we've got nobody for no prayer. You could do that one." Yeah, yeah, because I feel it's not the song that someone typically would say, uh, "I want this." It really isn't, right? It's like no. actually not really part of the discussion canon whatsoever. Very seldom th- do we talk about this track. Have you and me ever talked about this track, Eric? I no, mean, um, no, person, maybe. I think no. Yeah, I guess it doesn't count. When I was going to say yes, we have, but just in the planning of this episode, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, did we even in the planning though? I don't think we talked about the actual music no, or no, song. No, or lyrics, we, we mentioned what song it was. That's basically what it was, but nothing. Yeah, more yeah that's that. not talking about something. <laughs> that's mentioning. <laughs> But here we are anyway, with the title track, kind of brief in length. The uh, whole record is kind of brief in length, right? Um, I wanted to look up, and I didn't yet, but I wanted to look up the average song length on Appetite for Destruction. Because I feel like that album somehow had too much impact on this album. Could be. I mean, that, that album probably, um, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, uh, Let's see here. 430, 320, 420, 423, 45. Paradise City is long. Weird song to have as a seven minute song, but it's long. Seven, uh, that's seven minutes? At 6.45, yeah. Weird, right? <laughs> Rocket Queen is long, but yeah, generally, a Switch Out of Mine is six minutes too. So, okay, it doesn't, my, my theory doesn't fully hold up, but I, I keep saying that uh, Guns N' Roses was a bad thing for Iron Maiden because I feel like Iron Maiden sh- are, should be the heroes of Guns N' Roses. They, they shouldn't follow their their style and i mean bruce's angry fox voice i think that's that's uh, him trying to be axel rose and that's not becoming possibly at all. but he used that voice on the toad within air doesn't he yeah 
and, and he's then carried that voice over from Saudi Millionaire to No Prayer and onto uh, Fear of the Dark afterwards. Good point. When was Tattooed Millionaire issued? Tattooed Millionaire was 89. 89, okay. So that's fitting if, you know, considering Appetite is, is 88, isn't it? Or 87 yeah. even? Yeah. 87, I think. 87, yeah. That's actually very early for an album as such. I've never been a fan, but i got to give it to Appetite. It's a, definitely a feat to release that in 87. Oh, that's a, that's a great album, that is. So ahead of its time in many ways, yeah. but also like honoring, also after its time in the way that it's kind of old school hard rock, you know. Uh, I've Again, I've never really felt Guns N' Roses, but uh, Welcome to the Jungle is a monolith track, I think. It's a, an amazing track, so I, I can definitely hear the quality there. But I don't think Maiden should have been faced with this. They should have do. They should have gone more Maiden instead of trying to yes. become this street band and thinking we used to do this street thing ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, guys. <laughs> like you've built something since you released the. Oh yeah, but I mean that was album. deliberately why um, why Adrian just didn't want to be in it anymore. Exactly, yeah. because he's a sound fella. He's a sensible man. <laughs> like this makes no sense, guys. And I mean, again, eighty-eight. They release a fantasy themed. Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, concept album? Concept album. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. A fantasy-themed concept album. That's so far away from Appetite for Destruction that it's silly. And they should have just realized we're on a different path. We're no longer on this rock and roll path. But, I mean, it didn't sell that well. It didn't sell as well as Power Slave. So I think they felt insecure heading into the 90s. Sadly, because, you know, if you listen to this show, you know what I think about Seven Sun. Well, I mean, what happened after that? I mean, Adrian went off and done his ASAP, yep. which was very keyboard heavy. Silver and gold and that kind of stuff. Yep. AOR. Bruce went off and done his Tattooed Millionaire, which was short, sharp songs, you know, three-minute songs, whatever. When they came back, they were supposed to have three months to write the new songs, you know, do all pre-production, everything like that. Adrian was thinking it was going to be another seventh son or along those lines. Bruce was like, oh, they tattooed me in there, short, sharp songs. I love that. Why don't we do the same? Yeah. And Steve just went, oh, okay then. He went and got the Rolling Stones mobile, yep. parked it outside Steve's barn, yep. and just started writing songs as fast as they could. Yeah, they famously, uh, we mentioned this with Henrik, who's usually always on for the No Prayer episodes. So it's almost by the sign that he's not on today. I'll give a bit of space for, for uh, our man Bert here. And uh, we've mentioned many times that they knocked out like a couple of songs in a day, uh, Steve yeah. and Adrian, uh, Steve and Bruce. I think I can't seem to recall which songs. That's why. Well, I within a week, they had demoed "Hooks in You," "Holy Smoke," "Public Enemy Number One," and "The Assassin." Wow! Yeah, that's uh, active. I could write yeah. so fast when I was maybe sixteen or seventeen, you know, because I didn't know better. <laughs> now I would probably take a bit more time. You know, just yeah. because I like short songs. I like trimmed down songs. I mean, we mentioned at the top of this episode uh, your problem with the new stuff, right, Kevin? Uh, and yeah. I like I like short songs. I try to, especially these days, trim the fat of my songs. But I'm going to save this point, but I have a point about what not to do when trimming down songs that comes across very heavily in this particular tune and on other occasions across the album too. So, I mean, you can't just trim down you have to spend time trimming it down. You have to listen to it. Yeah. Does it work in this new trim down version? And then you come back to it because you can make really bad calls when you do that. 
What do you think, Eric? I think that, um, well, first of all, I'd be very curious to hear if Adrian, you know, going into this album with uh, with the idea of making, you know, more in the sort of vein of Seven Sun, if he had any ideas laying around that uh, that he thought was going to be, he was going to use for this that he didn't end up... Uh, that you know, or is either either use something else or just see it and never use. That'd be I'd be kind of that'd be kind of fun to hear that. Uh, but also, I think we've discussed many times on this um, on this pod that I, I don't think there was really a way um, for them to sort of get out of this, get get through the '90s unscathed, even if Bruce's state, even if Adrian estate, just was just what was going on, you know, music wise at that point. Uh, I don't think they. I, I I think that if they just sort of stayed stayed together and kept going. I don't know that we still would have them at this point because I think they probably would have just completely, they would have gone like they'd become like, you know, one of those, um, they would, I don't think they'd be what they are today if they just sort of tried to push through. No, I a hundred percent agree, but you have to, when I, I guess when I speak about this now, the unfortunate influence from Guns N' Roses, for example, that I mm. keep talking about, I, mm. I think that it, it is now 88 or it is now 89. The future has never been right. So I'm just yeah. localizing myself in that time, but obviously sure. oh, yeah. re- revisionist history doesn't work, right? It's always like no. I mean, we, yeah. That's why a lot of people believe in faith, for example, because uh, you know, uh, fate. I mean, if a lot of people believe in that because it makes sense after the fact. Obviously, sure. it makes sense yeah. after the fact, and I, I mean, we're very happy we're, with where the band is today, bigger than ever. Yeah, that's awesome. So, of course, I wouldn't change a thing, right? Well, what I was, if we were speaking just to the, the the thing of the songs being, you know. Short and sort of made punchier and to, to, to the point. Uh, when, when we when I listened through this, um, this song today, the first time in quite a while, it sort of struck me like like oh like is that it? And also reading the lyrics, mm-hmm. like wow, that's it. That's uh, uh, a phrase that's going to come up a bit in this song. I think is that it? <laughs> because it seems like like I thought there was way more when I when I first heard this way back when. I did like it back then. Um, I was like, I thought it felt longer. It felt bigger. Mm-hmm. I thought you know this for me. This was like this was felt like an epic, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination. What's your history with this song, Kevin? Pardon? Uh, your history with this tune? Um, I quite like the tune. I like I like the the guitar intro, mm-hmm. which is used three times, which is the same as um, well, like wasted years. We use it getting bit of weddings. And you must have heard this intro before Fear of the Dark, unlike me. And unlike yes, pretty much yes. everyone that listens to the show heard Fear of the Dark first, and then you heard this, and it's like, oh, that's no, no, I heard this, this album. Did you notice when Fear of the Dark was released that it was a rehashed version of this tune, uh, this melody? It's quite similar to. I always felt. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. And did it feel like a cheap move for you, or I, I imagine? No, no, not because one of them Dave's playing, and the other one Janik's playing, so. I thought it might have been Dave. Have you heard um, Wembley 90, Sledgehammer? Yes, I have, yes. It sounds better than Knights of the Dead, the recent Oh, yes, definitely. It's a really cool um, uh, live, uh, let's let's call it a live album. Let's let's not be formal. We're going to feature that version a bit today because I feel it's superior to the studio version, actually. And I seem to notice that it was on Dave's side, the intro. Dave's played the intro. Yannick played in behind it. He played a lovely little sort of staccato in behind what Dave's playing.
Bruce is using less of the Angry Fox voice already on, on the live renditions of these songs. Already on the tour, he sounds more like Bruce Dickinson and less like... Uh, uh, right, and that horrible, graspy voice. Not a good fit for him, I think. And it's, even on the tour, he's going back more towards the sound that he, you know, has. <laughs> yes. It kind of sounds like, uh, because I, I have friends who... Uh, who um, hated Maiden, but really like dug ACDC and Guns N' Roses and that kind of stuff. And I, I could play some of this stuff for them, and they could, they could kind of deal with it at that point because they felt like the guy was doing. And that feels like it's a waste of. That was maybe the idea too with this whole. I'm sure, approach. it was. Yeah. If you look at Tattoo Millionaire, you know that that I mean, I've I even heard there was this. Um, even when I said friends who were really into glam rock and all that kind of you know music, which I've sort of shared my opinions on how I feel about that kind of music, but. Uh, they could they could they could dig Tattoo Millionaire, um, where they would you know, uh, they could even you know that particular track. But like if I played them you know like fucking something like Seven Sun you know they'd probably have me killed. So, uh. <laughs> oh, I must mention uh, talking about short and snappy or effective songs. Uh, oh. Seven Sun is not even blo- that bloated to me. It is an effective record already. Like it's not like oh, a, I agree. It's forty four minutes. It's it's nice and snug. Fits perfectly. I mean, there's a couple of long songs on it, but it's not like it's uh, drawn out. N- like not even not even a bit compared to the later stuff that they've done yeah. now. So I think they were on a good path. Exactly. Well, there's no fillers on it either. No fillers. No, it's, it's all, all fillers. It's all, it, it is, as they say, all killer, no filler. It's an excellent record. So good. And that's also something that always like kind of makes it always makes no prayer come off as a fart pillow a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Seven Sun being, you know. The, the album before yeah it's it's uh i mean it, it you'd um yeah i mean that it's it i i don't know how you would follow up something i mean for people who like like who do really who really love seven sun you know whatever they did after that you know there's, there's only some there's only so high you can you know, really go before you have a, some, some stuff has to sort of decline at some point it's like you know every now and again at least. i would say x factor would have been a cool follow-up or brave new world would have been a cool follow-up again revisionist history uh, yeah. not, not taking account the reality here but uh, no. no prayer was probably not the coolest way to follow it up i don't know um, i have i quite like a bunch of tracks on this record um, oh, i do too uh and i you know i said i used to like this track way more than i like it now This bit's pretty good. Yeah, I like that stick I mean, it's a nice maiden intro, isn't it? I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Now, this 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 album opens with Tail Gunner, which I, which I think is excellent. Uh, and he does do, like you said, the sort of the the how, how'd you phrase it? Was it Angry Fox or Fuck? What, how'd you call that? Yeah, what, and in, you, the, in that song, it almost works actually. It does work there, but yeah. then you have uh, Holy Smoke, which again utilizes the, the aforementioned Angry Fox, and that might seem a bit foreign. And then you get to this song, which at least. Uh, when you this this far into it does sound more like familiar territory. It's a maiden feeling to it. Um, yeah. This is a song I'm going to play from 92. I thought that Steve had heard this and copied it, but obviously not, because it's later. But listen to this. Yeah, that, that staccato bit, very similar. This is Mercy, right? Sister Mercy, Temple of Love. Also a great song, actually. It's a great song. I always thought that Steve, like, 
after he got done listening to <laughs> Evangelist and Blade Runner, he went into this, but that's not correct timing-wise. So maybe the, the lads over in Sisters of Mercy were Maiden fans then. Who knows, yeah. A lot of people are Maiden fans, and more, and yeah. more, more than I thought, always. Like, when I was a kid, I thought, no, no, I'm a kid. I listen to this kid's band. And then I figured all, all the cool guys listen to Maiden too. Imagine if you could, like, cause, you know, go back in time. Because like, I, I remember when I started listening to this kind of stuff, uh, I was very loaded, I felt, initially. And, like, if you could tell, like, go back in time and, like, tell that kid, like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're lonely now, but at some point you'll have a podcast and you'll talk about this stuff and there'll be, you know, people all over, you get to talk to people over the world about this kind of stuff. And I think probably I would have no idea I'm talking about because obviously, you know, what the fuck is a podcast at that point? But Yeah, or for, still. Me, for me, when I got into extreme metal, when I got into black metal and death metal, I thought that none of these guys listened to the kids' bands I listened to. All of them loved Iron Maiden, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> all of them absolutely loved Iron Maiden. Everyone does. Even Kurt Cobain, it seems now. Like they, yeah. they released his old skateboard. It was yeah, a killer's killers, print uh, on it. And I told Ben, he told me, he tagged me in it. And it's like, cause I'm not very favorable to that guy, but this changes everything. He had a killer skateboard. <laughs> what can <laughs> I do? Quite literally. I have to start liking this guy now. <laughs> yeah. Late now. Yeah, late, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess I was, I was tend to people. I don't know. I, I, I don't really consider them past tense. You know, it's always present tense somehow because the records are out there and all that. But uh, yeah, it is a bit late to become friends for sure. Oh yeah, you might have to sort of give up that. No, you know, give up that. <laughs> give up that. Friends, the, the dream of being friends with Kurt Cobain, a musician yeah. I don't like. Yeah, well, maybe now I like him. I don't know. I I I I, uh, I think that it's it's it's. I I do like I did like a lot of his music. I do like a lot of his music. Um, I think if I think if he had he had he not died, he'd probably done a lot of really cool stuff. Even more so, but I think that is, is weird because you get these, like, every now and again, you get this article that's shared about how he, you know, comment that he doesn't like Pearl Jam. And, like, I mean, Jesus, you're taking you're taking the quotes of, it like, a, at that point, like, a 25-year-old out of context, you know, like, decades later. And, you know, like, it's like, it, it shouldn't, you know. Also, he, they are contemporaries. They shouldn't. He, he Of course, he listens yes. to, other, to stuff that is from before. Anyway, uh, this got me thinking. Kevin, did you notice that grunge? The grunge onslaught in the beginning of the nineties. Yes. How was that for you coming in as a as a heavy metal guy? Yeah, we sort of called him the Great Unwashed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because Kurt Cobain always seemed to wear a big holy jumper and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And everyone tried to copy. Yeah, wearing trash bags on stage. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was never my thing. I was never really into it. I had a lot of friends who really got into into grunge. Mm. Yeah, but I just stayed with Maiden. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I know what I like. Right, yeah. I mean, I I listen to a, a couple of those bands, but Eric is the big grunge guy here, and we'll talk about a lot. We we'll talk a lot about that when we go into Skunkwork. So it's going to be very interesting, I think. Skunkwork, I think, is a superb album. It is a great. It's one of the most. It's amazing. I love it's it. a very good album. I like it quite a bit. And, uh, it's interesting. Like, if you talk to these, a lot of these, uh, these sort of people, so big. I mean, obviously, you just pointed out that. Kurt was, you know, obviously a, to a certain extent a Maiden fan. I knew he was a Metallica um, fan, but now it turns out he was also a Maiden fan. So I'm starting to I, warm up to this guy. I, I can't remember who, but I remember there's at least a couple of guys in Pearl Jam who dig Maiden. And I mean, like if you take, I know, I know, Session Pumpkins weren't necessarily considered part of the grunge scene per se, but they were around in the sort of alt rock kind of situation that was going on back then. Billy Corgan is a huge Black Sabbath fan. Uh, that's that's why he's on. Oyomi's uh, first solo record. I mean, a lot of you can hear the Sabbath. When, you can hear you can de you can definitely hear. Oh, it. but that that makes so much sense to me actually. More so than you know, uh, Kurt being into Maiden, uh, I can really hear the Sabbath thing. Uh, did, did you know that Moby is also a huge, massive Sabbath fan? 
Yeah, I can. Yeah, I mean, there we we are. There's you know. He always yeah. wanted to play like an SG in a rock band, and he's pretty good at guitar too. You know, that, that's a common misconception among a lot of metalheads. Like they hear someone that works with electronic music, and they assume immediately that they cannot play an instrument. Usually they can. Yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah, they can, yeah. and quite well that, at that. Evangelist, right. Evangelist too, probably. That was, uh, probably, not so much anymore. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. So uh, the intro, uh, we, uh, did, did we all like it? What do you think, Kevin? I asked you, when you were gone for yep, a second like there, it. Eric, I asked him if he noticed when Fear of the Dark came out that it's quite similar to, to Fear of the Dark, obviously. This intro has a similar touch. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you told me that you didn't really, it didn't bother you. It didn't feel like a cheap move. No, 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 not at all. And I guess there must be some reason for that. Maybe it's the contextual thing, that they come out off in quite different contexts here. Yeah. I think so. Verse. I was listening to it early on, and I think I'll throw a curveball in here because this came. This song was just after Holy Smoke, which obviously was about the evangelists. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I thought the times I've wondered, the times where I've cried, where my prayers they were answered, at times when I've lied. Could it be another somebody very religious that's just lied to people to get what they want? I get a bit of that feeling too. So if yeah. you ask me a question, would I tell you the truth? something to bet on you've got nothing to lose so it's like you give me what i ask you i may tell you the truth i may not tell you the truth you know i may lie to you who knows right i look at it as uh, more of um he's old and he's looking back at his life and he's realizing he wasn't a good guy so he's kind of you know he has the anxiety and there's no prayer for this dude uh, but it definitely ties into something of a religious vibe where a believer type vibe maybe someone righteous that felt righteous all his life and you know he's not feeling so righteous right now i compared it before no. i think i compared this tune to harvest by opeth a swedish band that me and eric like and that mm. song is about, also about a you know uh, an old man dying and maybe i think we mentioned that thing when people you know become faithful at the tail end because they kind of they want to get into heaven they realize so this feel, this song to me has a lot of that bitterness feeling in it, like a bitter and lost in that sense, lyrically. Yes, very much. So there are no atheists in foxholes, essentially, when you're sort of in a situation where you know you're probably screwed. Yep. You know, I think yep. everyone kind of, to some degree, maybe, you know, shoots off a message to, <laughs> to see if someone will answer. Uh, um, what about the musical content here? What do you think about that? I, mean, I think that it's... It's not that particularly. Uh, I, I, it's not. It, it's very uh, simplistic compared to other stuff. I, I think that the uh, there's a reason why this is one of the one of the first Maiden tunes I could play all the way through back in the back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Way. Actually, yeah, uh, I remember. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's. I uh, no, I, I. It's a little. It's a little basic, but that gives the vocal space to sort of to ring out properly, and I think that's a. Uh, that's pretty good. I think that sometimes, like I said, we discussed earlier that a lot of times nowadays, perhaps there's a, lot, a little too much going on behind the vocals, especially like usually, definitely someone uh, who you know his, his last name perhaps is Gears might be 
for instance, playing the song melody on the guitar. Yeah. But I think Harris is the culprit. I think he's the guy that as, you know asks for it. Well, sure, I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not his fault that it's happening. I'm yeah. Just, it's just, it's a. Uh, it's a bit maritime, isn't it? I felt now for the first time. And then, you know, it goes into. It's a bit pirate, isn't it? So like a <laughs> I've never looked at it like that. It is, I think. But I also never looked at it like that. I just felt that now, like it's a bit pirate. So like a, a sea chanty. A little bit. And that kind of. It is a bit maritime, isn't it? Uh, and these verses, what do you think about singing? I, I kind of, traditionally, I would say that I, I, I don't like it. But now when we listen together here, I didn't mind it. So I'm in two minds about that. What do you think, uh, Kevin? Is this, is this a good sung verse? He's singing it, yeah. He's not trying to do the rasp point so much. A little bit, though, actually, isn't he? A little bit. Yeah, a little nothing bit. to lose. That bit, you know. A little bit. Uh, I think... Uh, what's the f- name of Milhouse's father in Simpsons? Oh, um... Fuck. I know what you mean, but yeah. Oh, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Found there or something, right? No, Kirk. Uh, no, he's also his, his last name is. I guess would be Millhouse, right? Millhouse. Oh yeah, okay. I don't know. That's maybe. It. No, 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 no. Sorry, you're, Van Houten. Uh, Van Houten. Yes, Kirk Van. Because uh, yeah. uh, the, the the grandfather of Maiden podcasts, when they listen to this song, they uh, compare the verse singing to Kirk Van Houten singing. Uh, what's can I borrow a feeling? Can I borrow <laughs> yeah. a feeling? So of course I, I have to. I, of course I have to play that now, and let's see if it's actually that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So here we go. Can I borrow a feeling? Like all the lyrics. Can I borrow a feeling? Can I borrow a jar of love? Can I borrow a feeling? Could you lend me a jar of love? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, it's not. It's, nah, it's not this bad. <laughs> It's Take not this bad. But I guess what they mean is that you have a ballady type verse, but you still add a bit of rasp to it. Maybe that, but yes. it's not this bad. How about it, Luann? Will you marry me again? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, can I have my shirts back at least? It's a big wheel of Cracker Factory. <laughs> I don't think they're particularly, you know, overtly exciting versus... Uh, I don't think I have a problem with him. I think he's doing some, some of the, you know, he's he's singing properly. There's a little bit of rasp, but not too much. Yeah, actually, I've, I've, I concur. I feel that now, at least on this listen through. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but I tend to get a, a bit of a different experience when we listen while recording, which is, of course, nice. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's something is different. I think it's that collective thing. I com- com- I've come back to that many times, that music is communal. Uh, even your own music taste mm-hmm. is communal some way. So now it's gonna head into that melody instead of like going straight to a chorus. I think it's going for the theme melody, right? A different, a different, very Steve Harris kind of. So this time, imagine that we all have a parrot on our left shoulder <laughs> with a glass of rum and Kirk.
structurally, I like this thing. That yeah. Instead of going yeah. for a new vocal part, they do the theme and back to a verse. Uh, structurally, I like it. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it works quite well. But drums, uh, what's happening with the drums? They're not that great, I think. Because this is Nico McBrain, and I feel they're a bit stiff and just not really doing it for me. Pop, 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 yeah. But they recorded it in a barn with the <laughs> studio outside. <laughs> yeah. so they infamously recorded in a barn, yes. But I think acoustic could be good there. It's the, the production I'm okay with, but I mean, in this song, maybe a bit more of a lush drum sound could have been better. Maybe the cymbals could have had a little bit more sparkle to them instead of the mid mid range. The kind of the hi hat is not great sounding to me here. But I mean, now I'm being picky. It's, it's not as matter that much. Just like we did last time, we look at the lyrics too. Long road. <laughs> uh, I don't like that verse as much as the first. He did rasp all the way through that. Yeah, lyrically or singing-wise, I don't like it as much as the first. I mean, when I sit at the window and gaze at the rain, to me that goes a little bit beyond my cheese limit to say. It's very, it's very generic. It's like somebody that sat in hospital. That's true. Yeah, you you're in hospital, your last, maybe your last day, so you sat there just looking at the rain. I, w I would imagine, just, I imagine just a, look, a, a lonely old man and he's sitting and watching the rain, got nothing to do really. And he's starting to contemplate if he even did a good thing here on earth. And that theme is interesting. It's a good theme well, for, for a song. You just gave me an idea here because if, if the hospital angle, if it is someone uh -huh. say who's you know, laid up in a hospital, perhaps even someone sort of, you know, uh, um, perhaps even like paralyzed or something because you have a thing with an ache in my heart but never feeling the pain that bit there uh, th that sort of adds an extra dimension to it if it could be someone you know in that kind of situation because uh, otherwise again they or maybe a, a lack of empathy or something like that could be too right sure that could be too but I, I think that if you yeah I, I, I'm just I just latched on to the hospital thing and that's uh, yeah that made that's it exactly what you should do Eric that's why you're here indeed <laughs> You didn't see me, but I pointed at the screen very uh, theatrically ah. right now. Uh, but still, the verses are better than they were in my memory. It's been a while since I listened to this, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, the second verse here, uh, lyrically not as good as the first, I think. And we don't so get a third Also singing-wise. We don't get a third verse, so... <laughs> oh, this was the final verse. Yeah, it's two verses, right? That's interesting. Yeah, no, I but you can do right. get that refrain. Don't give the answer to my yeah, life. Yeah, that, you get to that eventually, but the, the, otherwise, there's no. Yeah, that's, this is lyric-wise, there's, there's not a lot happening. No. I mean, there's happening, but it doesn't, you don't get much more than this. That was quickly dealt with. Uh, let's continue. Just got a little bit of keys on it. Just a little right. bit. Yeah, good point. It's uh, one of three songs I think on this record with keyboards in it. So this sounds a lot like my my favorite old band. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, that that bit that bit sounds like familiar, safe and familiar, and very nice. And I, I do like both those themes that they use there. They could have been on Brave New World easily as well. Yeah. 
And then, then, then stuff happens. Then we, then, then yes. We, this is what I alluded to earlier or planted earlier. This is the, like, this is where it happens when you've done something wrong in terms of trimming down the song length, because now they're just going to rush into a part from out of nowhere, kind of like in Afraid Shoot Strangers. Yes. But in Afraid, I like it a bit because the intro is so drawn out. So there's a bit of an effect of jumping out of that um, helicopter or whatever and going into battle, something like that. But here, for me, makes zero sense to go so quickly into this. They could have developed this melodic bit. They could have had a solo now, maybe a slow Dave solo. That would have been great. And, you know, do something like Phantom of the Opera. He's, he's uh, ending on a bend and Steve's coming in with the bass thing and then they hit this. Like, why, why the hurry? <laughs> What's the rush? Yeah. And also, it ends in a similar rush when he goes into God give me the answers to that, that bit you know yeah. it, it doesn't go on for long enough no, like no. that bit is not terribly bad it's pretty good but it, it goes on for so short that it seems like they were ashamed of it and just wanted to you know uh, let's stop this Dave Yannick Dave You don't even have to watch it, but uh, okay. So uh, again, to get this right, what was the order of these leads here? It's Dave first, then Yannick, and then Dave again. Ah, oh, because it sounded so much like Yannick. Yeah, I thought know. so too. It's because once Yannick joined, Dave just suddenly went mental and just went off <laughs> trying to catch him. I think. Aren't these solos a bit too Slayer for this track? <laughs> like they're really like. I only really know that because on the live version from uh, the B side of Here to Eternity, back to, if, if you is um, that the Wembley version, Sledgehammer? Yes. Ah, so they actually officially released bits of that. I think yeah, Henry because if you that. actually listen to one side of the speaker or one or whatever, you can tell who, what guitarist is playing what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a good trick. That's a good trick.
aren't these solos a bit too Slayer for this track? <laughs> like, they're really like... I feel, I feel this track could have benefited from like the kind of same sort of very melodic kind of vibe that Yannick did for his one of my favorite solos from the entire discography, uh, you know, in, in Blood Brothers. That kind of... Yeah, more, it could more have. More that kind of rather than yeah. just like... You know. Right, yeah. So I, I mentioned a slow Dave solo. Why not both? You know, you get a yeah. slow Dave solo a la 22 or Phantom of the Opera's first mm. solo, and then you get a very anthemic Yannick solo. That could have made this track good. Yeah. And just take As it time. be the title track, they should have tried to make it bigger and better. Yes, yes. Very much so. I mean, being the title track matters. I agree with you there. It really matters. It should re represent this album uh, in a big way, I think. The album was going to be called Prayer for the Dying, <laughs> because there was a, a film out, apparently, around the same time called Prayer for the oh. Dying. Ah. Uh -huh. but, but Steve said, oh, Eddie wouldn't have a prayer, so it's going to be no prayer for the dying. <laughs> Very blocky Steve logic there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a song about, uh, what are they always saying? A song about a bloke. <laughs> That's because that, that sort of makes sense. This is also a song about a bloke, this yeah. one too, actually. Because, you know, you do, I mean, a lot of... The, 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 the no prayer for the dying, uh, you know, that, that I guess that does sort of to a certain extent sound more metal and prayer for the dying. But it seems a lot of a lot of prayers uh, that when people who do dabble in those sort of things inevitably are sort of directed towards the dying. So it feels like there's probably quite a, there's probably a plethora of prayers for the dying, frankly. Uh, so thoughts and prayers hashtag. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I don't know that the title. I like this title, actually. Oh, I do, too, I but if you think thought, about that... I never really way. thought about it before, but it's, it's No Prayer for the Dying is it's a pretty cool title. It sounds cool. That's, a, that's and Is that worries? not the main thing? It's, but it's interesting, because Black Sabbath, when they were kind of evaporating into a non-band non, non for a bit, they released uh, uh, Never Say Die, mm. and then they die. <laughs> and, then, and then here, Maiden, No Prayer for the Dying, and they are also, like, sort of dissolving into a non-band at this point it's happening now right so it's almost like uh it's almost like the bands know somehow that you know this project is dying and they can't really refrain from in some way admitting it but that could be me as a music fan reading a lot into it but i just get this feeling that this album's overall depressive notions even though it's a rocking album it's kind of depressive I feel like it's a sad record. Is it a sad record, Eric, or is it a happy record? I think it's a sad record. I think there's a, there's there's it's not a, a lot sad of, one, right? Yeah. The '90s are coming too, so yeah. everyone is preparing to be really sad. They finish with Mother Russia. It's a sad song. Uh, we're at three thirty. Let's cap it off. You have that kind of whammy bar thing. I think that could be Dave. Yeah. And you have a strong vocal hook. Why does it end so quickly? What's the rush again? Like, this should have been drawn out quite a bit, I think, yeah. to have effect. Sounds like they're ashamed of it. It's just, ah, uh, okay, let's, you know, we're done with that. If they made that song now, it'd be 15 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> That's like what uh, everyone says. It's true, too. Is that sort of what, I mean, maybe it's the fact that there's a lot of bits in this that do sound very familiar of what we're sort of used to and maybe they weren't very inspired in this one they figured well we need a title track or we want to do a title track and we want something that kind of people will recognize as, as us so let's just you know let's just let's just bang this one out and then they did that and they got into other stuff in the album that they kind of probably felt more inspired on and wanted to do 
Because it is a bit rushed. That, 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 that's what I'm... You're onto something, I think. Mm. The inspiration bit. Maybe this song is a service to the old fans. I never thought about that. But maybe it is, in a way. And, you know, that's not what you should do. Like, like Jerry Seinfeld says, you can't do what the audience wants because they don't know what's good. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, but, uh, and, and, you know, uh, there's, there's stuff on the album that is further away from, you know, what they usually kind of would tend to do that I think they do at this current time, at that current time, uh, do better than they did this thing. So. Oh, I agree. I agree. My, my favorite tunes being Public Anima and, uh, I used to say Fate's Warning, but now I would say Public Anima and uh, Tail Gunner, probably. Mm. Uh, actually, I like Holy Smoke, too. Don't ask me why. But those tracks, you know, this album gets a lot of sympathy from me. I, they, they, this album gets my prayers. <laughs> I don't know why. I, like, I, I, I feel like I don't like it, but I kind of don't want to dislike it. I'm not sure what it is. There's some kind of sympathy that comes to me. And in this song, uh, definitely, I feel like... Uh, I don't want to dislike this. No. I don't know why. What do you think, Kevin? Why do I not want to dislike this kind of subpar maiden track? It is definitely a subpar maiden track, but there That's are for sure. Good, there are nice guitar parts on there. It has a vibe, right? It's it, it, it scream maiden. When you listen some, to them, you know it's maiden maiden. Yeah, there's some vibe in it, I think. But it is, as you say, it's it's so rushed. I mean, yeah. the whole album was rushed. This song is so rushed. You say it's quite easy. You could have added. It made this song so much bigger, so much better. Mm. Mm. That interesting? Especially, like, say, at the end, they just sort of cut it dead. Went right, stop. Yeah. Put the intro bit on the end. That's it. Finished. Next. Yeah, exactly. And that's interesting, considering we started this conversation talking about what they do now, which is two end length. Yeah, they, they do the opposite now. So yeah, so here we get yes. to the opposite problem. And uh, as you said, this, these last um, forty seconds—that's just the intro, right? And with the standard retardando at the end, you know what? That yep. outro is the worst in this song for me. Because when they reuse this melody right here, I start disliking it. I liked it before. And at this very repeat, I start loathing it. It should not have been there. No. Very, very bad call. Very, very bad call. They should have sprawled into something different, ended it there. Kind of maybe Seventh Sun title track style. Just go wild and then that's an ending, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an ending. This is like a uh, compromise. Mm. Makes me dislike the track so much more. This final move actually is, is the worst bit of it. I'm angry fox voice, uh, raspy singing ballad. -y. I can I can live with that. But this final bit, uh, yeah, that makes the song weak, frankly. I agree. Sledgehammer Wembley from 1990. Were you there? No? Wembley is too yes. far away, maybe. I've, I've been to London now. I've, I've seen most of the gigs in London now. All right, right. Oh, yeah, and you told us you missed a few shows there in between 86 and 93. Uh, not a few. You yep. missed all of, all of them, right? In yeah. Between, and then since... It wasn't in my local area. I just didn't have the money to go travel. Um, take note on the guitars in the verse. Great crunch. Yeah, live it works really well. I would say considerably less grasp from Bruce. Yes.
I like the whammy bar from Dave too. I wish this sounded like this on the record. Yeah, definitely. Also, Bruce's sort of thing he did there. Really good. Listen to Dave here. I think he makes a mistake and covers it up perfectly. Oh, wow. <laughs> Original gangster. Yeah. So we don't have to play the whole thing. But that's, um, that was a but weird, I that find was... the guitar work here very good. And, and, and Dave's mistake there, that's just speaking of his cool personality. It's like, ah, I'm not faced. I'm going to change the melody, improvise a little thing. This can be cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Eric? No, I said that, that I enjoyed that. That's way better than the studio version. <laughs> very much better. It's, it's got pace to it as well. It, it is good. But you can tell that Bruce is a bit bitter, right? He starts off the song with like, you can do the thing that I do in America and light his uh, heads on fire. <laughs> he's yeah. not that happy, I think. No. He comes off a little bit bitter. Yeah. Already then. And then, I mean, 93, that's why I had to ask you, Kevin, because everyone said that it was so obvious that he didn't want to be in this band. And that's oh, a sad he, thing he to tell. see. He just did not want to be there. Sad thing to see. It's interesting because, uh, you know, those, those the live albums from that era... Uh, which is funny that they're the hardest to get a hold of on vinyl if you want them. They're really expensive at this point. They're not. They're not good, <laughs> in my opinion. The, uh, no. the like the real live one, the real live. Oh, uh, you can go beyond your opinion there. I think they are not good. He doesn't sound like he's. He, it's amazing that like like it's so weird to hear that knowing what knowing what what happens later and how he sounds later. Like you you wouldn't think this guy is capable of that if you just heard that because it sounds ridiculous. It just sounds like what the fuck's he doing? I want to ask you, Kevin, the 93 show that you attended, did they do all those classic numbers then? Like, where goes there? Yes. Transylvania. Ah, oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, they, they started off with um, Be Quick and Be Dead, and then it was numbered to be Satanabila 9. Ah, oh, hello, that's the third song. That's cool. That's I didn't know they ever did that. I know they opened with Beast on O three 3 gigs. No. And then they, they, they did, like, um, uh, Where Eagles Dare. Yes. Remember Tomorrow. <sighs> Growler. Yeah, yeah. That's cool stuff. Eric has at least seen Prowler and Remember Tomorrow. I have not. Yes, I have, yeah. I have seen that recording many a time, however. That was a hell of a gig. Oh, 05. That was a cool gig, yeah. Very proud of um, of uh, my fellow Swedes there in the audience, too, on that gig. You know, when, when they play obscure tracks from the first record, and uh, it's not just the front row. The entire stadium is cooking. Hold on, yes, Hold on.
All right, well. So we are now at the judgment hour, aren't we? Judgment time. Well, with this song, I like to when you asked me mm-hmm. if I wanted to do it, you had just done the episode of Judgment of Heaven. Ah, okay. A very similar seat of feels, Judgment in Heaven, and to this song. There's a part in, in Judgment of Heaven that says, you question your beliefs, your inner thoughts, your whole existence, and if there is a God, then answer when he will. Tell me of my fate, tell me of my place, tell me if I'll ever rest in peace. Right. Midlife crisis. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> Are we there now, Eric? Are we midlife crisis? We're min- we're in no, the age I, mean, I call minus forty right now. I mean, you're literally forty soon, right? I'm fifty. Oh, Are you fifty? Yes, fifty. Well, that's a dabbled, solid age. I've dabbled in in that for a little bit at this point, but um, no, I don't know. Not really. I, I, I had mine at twenty-seven. Which, you know, is in conjunction with the rock and roll death, that's when I felt the most like doubt in who I was and yeah. what I've done and if I was doing good. Better right. get it over with when you're young. I like this age a lot. Me too. My, Me too. The minus 40 age, I like it a lot. I, I thought about that the other day and I wrote to some friends that uh, it's nice that all the, all the bodies, all the homies are now more competent than 10 years ago. I like that, you know. Mm. I'm not going to speak for myself and my competence level. I just like that everyone is more competent at this age. Uh, but maybe maybe it was different then to be in your mid-30s. Maybe it was well, you know, a different sphere of time. That, what do you think? I'd say I think that um, Maiden during this period of the, that we're discussing now and sort of you know going forwards a couple of years, definitely up until, you know, they, they were at the start of what I feel was that band's midlife crisis. Yeah, it feels like they felt old, yeah. don't it? Right? Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Kevin? I, I feel like they sound so old on this record. They sound younger on Brave New World. They're trying to do something with this record to make it sound like killers or are amazing. Maybe like, that's why, yeah. They're putting people. on their old jeans again and they don't fit. Yes. The stage set was just very bare marshals at the back and that was it. Yeah, they did the Slayer thing, just uh, uh, the cabinets basically a thing yeah. i never liked actually what do you think about yeah. that eric i don't like that look why do you have all these fake cabinets on st- i don't know if they were fake to be fair but why do you have all these cabinets like, well, i mean I, there's, I, there's I no fun kiss, to look at it i know I don't Ki- like it. kiss does that too and those are definitely fake oh yeah and uh, megadeth too they uh, they have a few going and then yeah. they have a few fake why it doesn't look that good to me and i like that kind of you know i, I like one amp looks good yeah. to me but a wall of amps is silly to me i don't That's know ridiculous. i don't think that either it's because they had it, Seventh Son was so overblown and so yes. big and spectacular. So they thought, no, nope, we're going back to when we was young. And somewhere on tour as well, right? Your first show was also quite a big thing, right? The theatrical. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. How, how long did his uh, electronic heart work on the show you saw? I, I'm guess, I guess you don't recall, but. Uh, I don't recall, no, not at all. No one recalls stuff from those gigs. We'll probably, <laughs> okay. probably see some of that this summer, though. I asked Christian like about details, and he's saying I don't remember any details. I just remember the religious experience, basically, which I guess. I is... know I nearly died. Oh, really? You nearly died. I was up on the balcony with my brother, uh-huh. and at the end of the show, Nico threw a drumstick, and I caught it. And as I caught it, it bounced out of my hand. So I automatically went to jump to get it. Oh, you wanted to jump off the balcony to get it? Up. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother sort of grabbed hold of me in midair. Me Would back. have been an extremely uh, rock and roll death, however. Oh, very much, yeah. yeah. You're jumping to get a drumstick. Jumping stick. off a balcony for a drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> for Nico's drumstick. I mean, yeah, we would have honored your memory then. But um, <laughs> uh, glad to see you still alive and kicking. Yes. <laughs> this song is not on the list, guys. It is me. not. No. 
It's not, but again, I feel that little sympathy. I don't know what this what this is. I get a little bit soft when it comes to this record. Like I feel sympathy for the guys. Like ah, you're doing your best. I, no, I, I think like I think it's, I think it's a fair. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I, yeah, I can. I Things can like they kind of do. They kind of doing their best. I don't know why I get that feeling because uh, I mean, as much as uh, I love this band, that also you know gives me the room to be critical to it because you know it's going to be number one anyway. So I don't have any problems. You know, you're familiar with that if you listen to this show. I don't have yeah. any problems being very critical. But for this album in particular, I get this little. Uh, rush of empathy coming. Like. In fact, Adrian wasn't on it, and the, the sound, everything changed. Yeah, yeah. So having a very structured guitar solos, where suddenly then you had Yannick coming in doing his thing, they suddenly thinking, "Oh, I've got to keep up with him." Yes, it just going mad yeah. as well. There's nothing really structured about the whole thing. Just to add to that, Kevin, I exemplified before in some tunes, Dave is clearly doing embodying Adrian in his leads and trying to yeah. be that. The other dude. Which I think was a good call, but in this song, the, the solo bit is just Slayer. It's just <laughs> complete, yeah. like. But uh, I think you raised a good thing there. Maybe like a reason for my sympathy as well. They lost Adrian. I sympathize with that. Mm. If Adrian was the other guitarist in my band, and now he's out. Yeah, rough times. Definitely, rough times. I mean, Yannick obviously was was the obvious replacement. Yes, as he had just toured with Bruce. The correct call, I think. Definitely oh, yeah. the correct call, yeah. and uh, uh, what the stuff he did before made, and he did brilliantly. I wish actually he was as good today. <laughs> not, not to be nasty or anything, but he's a lot better, I think, in the, like White Spirit and in Gillen. And I think uh, he's a, I think he, he he's he's a better songwriter these days than he necessarily is guitarist on the album. Yes, that's a good point. Actually, he's he's a better songwriter yeah. these days than those days too. Actually, the early days, but he was always good. Yeah, like he wrote, he wrote really cool stuff with Gillan and yeah. and with White Spirit as well. He's a natural, I think, as well, which I think fits Maiden. You know, he's not the professional type. Ma uh, infamously, Steve put an ad in the paper when they looked for guitarists, saying "No posers, no professionals." And I like the "no professionals" bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this meme the other day: a piano player, and he's thinking, "I don't find any joy in this anymore." And then it says, "How to know you're a professional." Uh, you know, that kind yeah. of speaks for it, right? You don't want yeah. some wise ass coming into our maiden and saying this modulation is not working, Steve. You no. can't just move. You can't just move this figure. So, no. Why can't I? Why can't I? You know. <laughs> so I, I, I think that was uh, quite clear-sighted of him, clear-headed to 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 write that. No professionals. I, I think that must be a unique thing. I've never seen an ad for a musician uh, actively discouraging professionals to, you know. <laughs> To call you'd it. want somebody to be as professional as possible, would you? You think? Yeah, but uh, I, I still get it, right? Uh, from that perspective, like uh, this is rock and roll. What do we don't want? We don't want someone that just rocking the look. That's the poser, and we don't want someone that is overly involved in being a musician because this is it's time to rock. Something like that, you know. So I, I always yeah. found it funny. Anyway, no poses, yeah. no professionals. Yeah. And then then they got Adrian. He, I guess he was neither, but he's better than some professionals. That's Still, right. but he was very close friends. Dave. I miss him now. I mean, speaking, listening to this track, 
I really do. It could have been, this album could have been pretty cool with him on it, actually. Yeah, probably. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So that's where we are. All right. So, rotation. Yes, yes. Uh, guests go first. I guess you're familiar with this little concept we have for zooming out. I am. I actually want to mention something that Fergal talked about a couple of weeks ago. A band called Persian Risk. Mm. He said they were oh, on a. Yeah, I love that Persian Risk are coming back to our show. I like this. Continue. One of my friends was the guitarist in Persian Risk. Really? Really? First gig he had was supporting Motorhead. Great. And a couple of years later, the second guitarist in the band joins Motorhead. That was Phil Campbell. comes clearer then they needed a, a second guitarist and a certain Yannick Gerds went and auditioned for them what? <laughs> he didn't get it because he was so used to being a single guitarist and he didn't really want to work in a two guitar band and ironically he's in a three guitar band now exactly which he has <laughs> mentioned <laughs> yeah carry on so then a few years after that Ram was playing a gig with Persian Risk met up with some guy started chatting to this bloke. And this bloke went, I want you and your drummer to join my bands. And that bloke was Paul Diano. Ah, wow. Graham and the drummer Steve Hopgood then joined Battlezone, which then became Killers. Right. Battlezone, I remember. Oh, wow. So this all came from Persian Risk that Ergo talked about a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Kind of and it felt, like, it felt like such an outlandish mention that, you know, I just loved to have it mentioned once. And now we get to connect it to pretty much everything. That's, uh, yeah. that's brilliant. Persian Risk, A to Z. But my actual um, rotation, I've been listening to, there's a local band that's down here in Cornwall, a local rock band. Mm -hmm. They've played, they supported Motorhead, actually. Right. And they play a lot of the, the big um, festivals and stuff. They're a band called King Creature. King Creature. They're a great band. They, they, they're, they're a four-piece bass player that sings, two guitars and drummer really good live bands that's cool king creature do you have a song recommendation for me um yes yeah, song called captives captives right on
that. Uh, Eric, what's what's running? Well, all right. So recently, it's uh, on Thursday. I had the fortune to uh, be able to attend a, a delightful uh, concert uh, featuring uh, our man in Gothenburg, uh, Peter Ivish, in his new band, The Halo Effect. We're playing yes, at, uh, yes. The baser. That was a hell of a gig. Uh, really loved I heard it. so. I heard so. I saw good reviews. I got four out of five from Sophia in Aftonbladet. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was. I mean, I almost give, I almost give it five. It, it was. It was really. Was really, that good? Really good? Oh, I loved it. And so, so that that record has been been playing and should have been kind of on repeat, uh, and also just anything by uh, Love Dark Tranquility as well. Um, just sort of, uh, but yeah, that was really good. So, and I, I know they they did a couple of new songs. So hopefully, sometime later this year, we'll have even more. Because now the only thing they got out of the moment is their their debut album, and that's about forty minutes. So you know, you want you want a little bit more, and they they and it was supposed to just be them collecting ideas, and then it turned out into an album. I yeah. I heard. Yeah, it's a uh, it's which it's has been known album. to happen from time to time, you know. Unfortunately, we didn't get um, uh, Jesper uh, Strömblad. He wasn't there because uh, you know, he he's had some ongoing health issues. Uh, he's, he was. It's, uh, it's a bit of a tough cookie to to have in a band in that sense because he tends to skip out on things. I think that yeah, I think they're very much aware of that, and I think they sort of work around that, and that's not. Well, that's they have Patrick Jensen, who is an incredible guitarist. So yes, yes, they, well, they no, want. Wor- yeah, no worries for the performance bit. That's fine. It's going to no, be good. And I think that I think that but I think Jesper probably writes a lot of the stuff with them, so he, he's very involved in that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also. I mean, even from a cynical pre-R perspective, it's great to have him in the band because he's got you know, he's got his uh, what's what's the word for that when you have like a history, a legacy. Renome, I think yeah. uh, he's got the Renome, definitely most of it in that band. But also, <laughs> this is a this is going off. But last week we mentioned Barney the Dinosaur, and yeah. and then and then yeah. I looked it up and I was like, oh no, that wasn't the the, the one I was thinking of. This guy is kind of almost a bit creepy, that <laughs> pink dinosaur. <laughs> so I wouldn't have said the friendliest character ever. But isn't Mikael Stanne the friendliest singer in extreme metal ever? Oh yeah. To me, to me, uh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely up there. Uh, to me, he's he is one of my favorite singers, and he always uh, he always looks like he's having a great time doing it. Um, Seems to be a champion of the nerds too, you know. Oh yeah, which I like, you know, definitely like adding some strength to to the the nerd population of this world, which I guess is very represented in in our listeners oh, <laughs> and in our panel as well. Very like much. Oh, we nerds here, yeah, we're proud nerds. They We've said are. many times. We've said that many times. Yeah. Uh, what's been up for me? I listened to Kiss a bit last week because yeah, I, you did list for me. I recalled Nothing. our episode. That's one of our most streamed episodes. It's either number one or number two. Uh, the one we did in Kiss and Live After Death. And I, I figured I want to put a get together a little playlist of that. That is the length of a LP. So I put together a 36-minute playlist that I called uh, Kiss for Iron Maiden fans. So I listened to that a bit. Uh, it's good. It's enjoyable. Have you listened to my playlist, Eric? Did I you have. Try it? I- I enjoyed it. It's pretty good, right? Pretty good. Yeah. 
curated by, of course, uh, Chris from Polar Thunder, John from the Purple Podcast, uh, Greg, and myself. We should we all link that, or we should we should link that in the episode? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, hey, you should do. I've, ne- I've never really listened to a book. Same here. Kiss. Same here. You say Kiss or Baden, fan? I'll have a listen. Yeah, exactly. No, same here. Me and Eric too. Like we never got into that band. It never happened, really. So then they, they are. They have something, you know. That being our most streamed episode is no coincidence. I mentioned it to Chris, uh, saying that it could be his name because he's been podcasting for a long time, and he denied that that could be a possibility. <laughs> but that could be him being humble too. I don't know. They're a big thing. Uh, on top of that, CZ Top. Every time I listen to them, I wonder why I don't listen to them all the time. A great band. Yeah, great. Texas. We had deep cut of a record, I guess. It doesn't have any of the big hits or anything, but uh, it's a really good one. I've seen uh, something from uh, El Diablo, which is a cool track. It doesn't sound so typical. It's a bit more under understated than, let's say, Legs, for example, which is also a killer track. He was cold, he was bound, in Kevin, well done. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. That was delightful, sir. Probably enjoyed it's it. been too long. This is too late. We have to make up for that and do it again. Uh, me and Eric have this thing about we have this thing about second helping that every guest needs to come for a second helping. So we're like the yep. we're like the fat um, Slavic grandma, and the, the guests <laughs> are our grandchildren. <laughs> you know? Very good. Yeah, you're not full yet. Come for another one. Yeah, <laughs> another one. Oh, yeah. we we have we have stuff. Uh, we you know we don't have to announce it here. We do. I think from what I gather, we do have some stuff sort of semi-planned to uh, uh, further down further down the line here with him. But we'll uh, yeah we'll uh, yeah ah, we definitely have to be back. Mystery for me, but yeah, delightful. Lovely. I would love to come. Delightful, back. and it, it did come true. The prophecy from uh, Black Eyed Peas tonight turned out into a great night. Indeed. <laughs> You're very right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, before we sign off, do you have anything you want to promote or anything you want to mention to, to the people at home before we sign off? Not at all. I just want to say thank you very much for having me on. It's been superb. I've listened to you for so long, and I will continue to listen to you and support yeah, me. very happy for that. Of course, we are. Yeah. We're very we're grateful for that. And that's no news for today. We, I knew that you were uh, one of the, the main supporters and, and, of course, appreciate that every time. And also, like, just like all these different areas of the world, and they come into our show and we realize someone is listening there in Cornwall or someone is listening there in those mountains. They're walking around in the mountains listening. Or, you know, it's just a, it's a bit of a trip and I enjoy it. 
Uh, do you have a? You don't have to. Don't spoil it. But do you have your signature sign-off that you can add to our sign-off? Yes, I have got one. It's it's uh, specifically for Cornwall. Okay, so uh, keep that in mind, uh, Eric. I will start today, so you will do the score, and then right. we get and then we get Kevin. All right. So first off, up the irons. School from the north. Onan Hagao. I like that. Very good. Onan Hagao. What is that? It sounds Welsh or something. It's very similar to the Welsh language. Uh, one and all. One and all. And oh. what's the language? Celtic. Celtic. Oh, very cool. You see Cornish, but it's a Celtic language. Hornpipe fever. Hornpipe fever. Maiden A to Z, innit?